Good morning. I'm really glad you're here. For those online, thank you for connecting with us. By the way, looking around, I think we've got a couple of empty seats, don't we? <laughs> if, if you find what we do here on Sunday morning useful, if you sense the presence of God, if you feel the nudges of God, why not bring someone with you? It uh, would be a very kind and loving thing to do. Let's use these chairs. We bought them to fill them. Let's use them up. Okay, guys, I'm going to show you four words on screen. And then I'm going to ask you three questions. Let me show you the three questions first, okay? Question number one, how is America doing? How are we doing with respect to the words that I'm going to throw on screen? Number two, how's your family doing? Now, if you don't have a lot of real close family, how are those people who are closest to you? Maybe the circle of people that you do life with. And number three, how are you doing personally with these four words? Here they are, the four words, joy, courage, peace, and contentment. Okay? I hope that stuff that you guys want. How are you doing with it? Be honest. Number one, how is America doing with joy, courage, peace, and contentment? What grade would you give our country? Now, maybe I'm a lot meaner than you guys are, but I think our country is flunking out on all four of those. Maybe some of you guys would give us a D or maybe a C, but I think we're hurting out there. Number two, how about those closest to you, the people you're doing life with, perhaps your family or those who are just close to you? How are they doing with joy, courage, peace, and contentment? Would you give your family, would you give your close friends passing grades? Maybe they're knocking out of the park. I don't know. Boatloads of each of them. How cool would that be? How about this one? How are you doing? How is your joy, your courage, your peace, and your contentment? Are you doing okay? You need a little bit more? You need a whole lot more? Well, guys, if you need more, whether you're a Jesus follower this morning or not, I think you need to listen in. The Bible says some stuff that can be useful for us. Now, I'll admit, there are times when I preach when I don't expect to move the needle much. I'm sorry, that just done this for a while, and to be more precise, I don't think what a lot of you guys are going to buy what I say this morning. You might buy it intellectually, but I'm not sure you're going to buy it enough to let God change you. I'm going to try to give you God's truth as best I understand it, and I do believe that whenever we stumble on God's truth, the Holy Spirit nudges us to receive it. I just expect most of us to push back. Because what I'm going to talk about is so countercultural, so counterintuitive, so contrary to our ingrained habits, which are often not God honoring, that we naturally push back. And some of us, especially us old guys, we've been pushing back on this stuff so long that we're pretty much hardened. It seems to me, you may disagree, but it seems to me that. Very few old Jesus followers actually live out, experience joy, courage, peace, and contentment. Why? Because they're not there for us? 
because we refuse to pursue them God's way. So it seems to me that most of us Jesus followers, older Jesus followers, have kind of settled for way, way less than what God wants for us. We have dug for ourselves these really, really deep ruts. I do hope this morning to have a little more success with those who are younger Jesus followers. I think they're doing it wrong too. They're pursuing joy and courage and peace and contentment like the rest of us, but they're more often pursue it the world's way, not God's way. In fact, our culture isn't just whispering to them to blow off God's way, it's shouting at them to blow off God's way and mocking those who don't. Because of that, I believe, I think there's less joy, courage, peace, and contentment than about any time I can remember in my lifetime. And I think I can give you some pretty strong evidence for that. Let me start by giving you a quote. You tell me two things. Number one, where is it from, the quote, and do you buy it? Are you ready? Here's the quote. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Do you buy that? And that they're endowed by our Creator with unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence, right? You buy that stuff? I think it's pretty good. I think these are gifts from our Creator, our God, a life, freedom, and a right to pursue, to pursue happiness. You can nibble at the edges if you want, but I don't think they're bad as core values for us Americans. The problem is we pursue happiness in a way that disrespects our Creator. I think God wants us to be happy. But he made us to create, to pursue happiness one way, and we insist on pursuing happiness a different way. So happiness is elusive, and joy is elusive, and courage and peace and contentment, they're all elusive for us. You see, we think pursuing happiness is about chasing what I want, guided by what I value, in a quest for what makes me feel good. My dreams, my values, my feelings. I chase my dreams, I live out my values so I can maximize my pleasure and minimize my pain, right? And we think that's the pursuit of happiness. It's all about me. My dreams, my values, my feelings rule. And I think cynically that that has come to define the American way to pursue happiness. And God's way is different, way different. You pursue happiness by pursuing God. Huh. See, you were created to do life with God. You were created to run on God, His dreams, His values, what pleases Him. We were created to find happiness there. And we think, we Jesus followers believe that life with God, for God, God's way, the pursuit of God has these incredible side effects, things like joy and courage and peace, and contentment. Pursue God, and you stumble on joy. Now, I know this is going to sound counterintuitive and very, very countercultural. But listen, guys, if you pursue happiness by pursuing happiness, you won't find it. Some of you guys are going to struggle with that. At least we don't live that way. 
If you pursue happiness by pursuing God, you discover both. Chase your dreams guided by your values, maximize your feelings of pleasure, minimize your feelings of pain, and the things that you are hungering for, hunting for, will elude you. Chase his dreams, his values, try to please him, and life gets rich. You buy that? Now, guys, it's really not hard to prove that the world's way is not working. Let's talk about depression. That's kind of depressing, isn't it? Seems to me that depression is kind of the opposite of joy and peace and courage and contentment. Depression is kind of the absence of those four things. And I'm telling you guys, depression is epidemic. It's been epidemic for a long time, and it's getting way worse. 2013, eight years ago, the World Health Organization announced that depression has become the most widespread illness in the world. And the more highly developed the country is, the worse it is. And the younger people are, the worse it is, especially for that 18 to 29 demographic. And believe it or not, they've discovered that our smartphones and the social media are huge factors in the depression of our kids. You buy that? I do. Did you know that women are twice as likely to be depressed as men? I'll bet that includes some of you ladies. Did you know that men are more likely to commit suicide when they're depressed? If any of you guys have ever thought about that, we need to talk. Remember, we're talking about the pursuit of happiness, joy, peace, courage, contentment, and they're not getting it. They're not getting it. I've been reading recently about depression on our university campuses because in some ways our university campuses are microcosms of where our culture is heading, unfortunately. Back in 1993, that was nearly 20 years ago, Billy Graham, you old guys know who Billy Graham was? Probably the most influential pastor in the world and an amazing guy. Billy Graham asked the president of Harvard, what is the number one struggle that students of Harvard have to contend with? And Harvard's president didn't think very hard. He said, living with emptiness. Living with emptiness. How sad is that? Kind of the opposite of joy and courage and peace and contentment, isn't it? 2006, 15 years ago, the cover story of Harvard's student newspaper was about an epidemic of depression among Harvard's 6,700 students. 80% of the students experienced depression at least once during the school year. 47% were depressed to the point that they had a hard time functioning. 10%, 650 kids, had seriously considered suicide. You serious? Apparently, their pursuit of happiness isn't working. 2013, eight years ago, Yale University, another one of our flagship schools, reported that one half, more than one half of its undergrads had sought out mental health care from the university during their time at Yale. I'd call that an epidemic. Those are just the ones that sought out the university's help. Thomas Masaryk, president of Czechoslovakia about 100 years ago. He was a philosopher, a historian, a really smart guy. 
He said that a more godless society becomes, the higher the rate of suicide. <laughs> no kidding. Did you know that today in America, suicide has passed car crashes as the leading cause of death due to injury? And the vast majority of suicides, not all, but the vast majority of suicides are committed by highly principled, well-educated people with little or no religious faith. Lives hungering for joy, courage, peace, and contentment. But their pursuit of happiness isn't working, guys. It's not working. And did you know did you know that over the last couple of years during this COVID epidemic, depression rates have skyrocketed, absolutely skyrocketed? Professor at Grace College is leading a team that's investigating how COVID has impacted our mental health. And here's what they mapped between January 2019 and July 2021. According to what they found, levels of anxiety have tripled Levels of depression have escalated nearly fourfold, and the numbers are even higher for those who are younger. COVID, lockdowns, polarizations have been accelerators of a depression epidemic that may prove worse than COVID. Now, here's what's interesting to me why is it worse for our kids? Why is it worse for our kids? I hope that bothers you. Why do they struggle with depression even more than us old guys? Well, some of the guys who study this will tell you that depression for older kids is pretty normal. I mean, they're going to leave the safety of home. They're going to start a career path. They're going to go to school. They're going to get married, manage their finances for the first time. But a professor of psychology at Harvard who was fascinated by this stuff said it goes deeper than that. More and more, he says, our kids are pushing God away. They're pushing God away. More and more of our universities are encouraging our kids to push God away. And here's what he discovered. He says, students who have a secular, godless worldview struggle more with depression, and they don't respond as well for, with treatment. And I think it'd probably go the same for those kids who claim to be Jesus followers, but don't let it get in too deep. He says, before Jesus, they have this social conscience that they're developing, their cause, but there's a gap between their social morality and their personal morality. They want to stand for a cause, but they know they're an immoral person. We know we're sinners. After Jesus, he says, God's forgiveness lifts that crushing sense of sin and they find it easier to give themselves grace. And because of that, they find it easier to treat those around them with tolerance and love and grace. So without God, there's less joy, less courage, less peace, and less contentment. With God, at least you've got a shot at way better. Now, since we're kind of deep in the weeds, I'm going to take it just a little bit further. I suspect most of you guys have heard of uh, one guy named Sigmund Freud and another guy named C.S. Lewis. Freud and Lewis saw life very, very differently. Only one of them could be right. Freud was perhaps the most influential psychologist in history, and he was an atheist. A lot of people still listen to him today, follow his paths. Freud said, happiness is about pleasure. It's about pleasure. It makes sense to us, doesn't it? 
People aren't happy because they can't do all the stuff that they want to do to bring them pleasure. I want to pursue my dreams. I want to pursue my dreams my way. I want to do whatever makes me happy, right? And when people get in the way, it makes me unhappy. And if there are people out there who make you feel guilty for doing what you want to do, blow them off. You're not the boss of me. Not even God is the boss of me. Bottom line, since the world is hard and people are hard, Freud said that happiness seems unavoidable. Unhappiness, that is. In fact, he said this. This is amazing. He said, what good to us is a long life. There should be another quote up here. Um, if What good to us is a long life if it's difficult, barren of joys, if our life is so full of misery that we can only welcome death as a deliverer? How sad is that? Freud tried to mask his emptiness with cocaine. Now, unfortunately, Freud has had a far greater influence on our culture than C.S. Lewis. Lewis says the key to happiness is not pursuing happiness. The key to happiness is pursuing God. Now, understand, Lewis didn't start out as a Jesus follower. He started out as an atheist until he was in his 30s, and he knew what it felt like to do life without meaning, without hope, without joy, without God. And then he discovered this. Guys, we were made to do life with God. It's kind of like God designed the human machine to run on God. It's kind of like God is the fuel that our spirits were designed to burn, the food that our spirits were designed to feed on. Think of it this way. Gas prices go up. It's kind of like you get tired of paying for gas. So you decide, I'm going to save money and just pump water into my gas tank. How's it going to go for you? How does it try to, how does it work to try to run a machine on something that it wasn't designed to run on? You're not going to find joy and courage and peace and contentment apart from God. You were designed to run on God. Pursuit of pleasure, money, power, perfect marriage, perfect friendship, whatever, they all fall short because we were designed to do life with God, for God, God's way. That is the path to joy. It's the path to contentment, to courage, to peace. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the owner's manual teaches. That's what I'm going to try to show you this morning. See, we're wrapping up this little tiny series called Deny Self from the Apostle Paul's little letter to the Philippians. And he keeps talking about denying self, which sounds miserable on the surface, doesn't it? Do you think that denying self, pushing yourself off of the throne of your life, letting God be God is actually going to make your life worse? Seriously? Let me show you the outcome that Paul says that you should experience. Are you ready? Chapter 4, final chapter in this little tiny letter. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Heard that verse before. Be full of joy. Some of you guys are thinking, now, wouldn't that be cool? But guys, Paul isn't treating this like a wouldn't that be cool. It's a command. It's not a command to party. It's not like Paul is saying, don't worry, be happy. It's rejoice in the Lord, right? Because that's where joy is found. Not in Jesus as Savior, but in Jesus as Lord. When you let God 
sit on the throne of your life instead of self. Now remember, Paul isn't saying this because his life is so easy. His life is so good, right? He doesn't write this because he's doing life down the beach from Snoop Dogg. He's in jail. If he loses his life, they're going to kill him. Following Jesus has led him from one crisis to another. And he says, find joy in the Lord always. I mean it, he says. Joy. Because listen, guys, the opposite of joy is not sadness. Really. The opposite of joy is hopelessness. Which is kind of like a kissing cousin to depression, isn't it? And Paul had hope on steroids. Do you? And then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. In other words, be gentle, guys. You don't have to go on fighting for number one. You don't have to go through life angry, trying to get even, trying to get ahead, stepping on people. You're a Jesus follower. And he's coming back. And he's going to sort things out. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Now, what he's talking about here is not about being a wuss. A wuss isn't gentle. A wuss is just weak. This is about being a gentle man and a gentle woman because we love him first. We trust him most. And we're going to do our best to love each other as powerfully as we love ourselves. Verse 6, this one is huge. Apostle Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. How are you doing with that one? But in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. How are you doing with that? This is about courage, guys. It's about courage. He's not saying no fear. He's saying don't let your fears own you. Because God is bigger than whatever you fear. Don't be owned by worry. Don't be owned by worry about anything, he says. And, and here's the key to, the, to making it happen. He says, pray about everything in this way. With thanksgiving, make your request to God. With thanksgiving, with gratitude, give your request to God. Now think about that. Did you know that you can thank God for his answer before you ever hear his answer? Did you know that you can thank God for his answer even though his answer might not be what you're praying for? Thank you, God. Thank you because I know you're there and I know you're here and I know you care and I know you're wise and I know you're good and I know you're going to give me exactly what I would have asked for if I'd been as smart as you. I trust you, God. Thank you. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? I trust you, God, in advance for however you answer what I'm asking for. And I'm telling you guys, if you try to pray like that, you will not be owned by your anxiety. You will experience a profound courage. So verse 4, first one was rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 6, don't be anxious about anything. No matter how much they're trying to scare you. Rejoice in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Then here's verse 7. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. How would you like some peace? It's going to guard your hearts. 
peace of God is going to guard your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the key, isn't it? Because it's not about you. It's not about self. It's about letting Jesus sit on the throne of your life because we are Jesus' followers. It's about letting God be our God. One guy said it like this. He said, worry is listening to your heart. Peace is talking to your heart. I think it goes deeper than that. Peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with each other. None of that is possible until the self is dethroned and Jesus takes his rightful place. You're not going to find it. You buy that? Do you want some peace? Is he your Lord? A little more on that peace stuff. This verse is amazing. It's hard. Paul goes on, verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, how about filling your brains with that? In fact, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, seen in me, put that into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Which kind of sounds like a change of perspective, a change of attitude, a change of focus can make your life way, way better. Can you imagine what it would feel like to actually try to do life that way? Good News Translation puts it like this. It says, fill your minds with those things that are good. We don't. Fill your minds with those things that deserve praise. We don't. Fill your minds with things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and honorable. But we don't. Instead, we complain, we criticize, we demean, we degrade, we mock, we ridicule, we berate, we cancel. And we wonder why peace is so elusive. Really? Listen, guys, if anyone had a right to complain and criticize and demean and mock and ridicule and cancel people, it was Paul. And he says, nah, what you learned from me, heard out of me, seen in me, try it God's way, Jesus' followers, and the God of peace will be with you. It's three of them. Joy, courage, peace, one more. A couple verses later. Verse 11, Paul says, I have learned, I have learned, it's hard, but I've learned to be content. How cool would that be? Whatever the circumstances, I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. How cool would that be? The incredible ability to be content. You know what his secret is? He says, I can do all this through him who gives me the strength because it's not about how tough I am. It's not about how humble I am. It's not about how amazing I am. It's about the one who sits on the throne of my life. Joy and courage and peace and contentment. Need any of that stuff? Your pursuit of happiness, how's it going for you? You see, the problem is we keep pursuing happiness in a way that disrespects our Creator. God wants us to be happy, and He wants us to pursue it His way. We don't. And because of that, happiness is elusive, 
depression is rampant. Joy is elusive. Courage is elusive. Peace and contentment are elusive. Because we think pursuing happiness is about chasing what I want, guided by what I value, in a quest for what makes me feel good. My dreams, my values, my feelings, myself on the throne. So I can maximize my pleasure and minimize my pain. God's way is different, guys. It's way, way different. You pursue happiness by pursuing God. So are you? You were created to run on God. His dreams, His values, what pleases Him. And it makes our life rich. We Jesus followers believe life with God, for God, God's way. The pursuit of God has these amazing side effects, all these things that we're desperate for. Joy, courage, peace, contentment. Don't pursue them. Pursue God. I know it's counterintuitive. And you'll want to push back. I know it's very countercultural. If you pursue happiness by pursuing happiness, you're not going to find it. Just look around. If you pursue happiness by pursuing God, you'll find both. Just look around. Chase your dreams guided by your values to maximize your feelings of pleasure and minimize your feelings of pain. And all of those things that you're really hungering for will elude you. Chase his dreams with his values trying to please him and your life will grow richer and richer and richer. Do you buy that? told you it'd be hard. And sometimes we buy it intellectually. But we have a hard time living it out right here. Do you think it's God's way? Do you really? Then are you willing to let Him give you the courage and the strength to try to live it out? I'm going to pray for you guys in just a minute. And uh, Basically, guys, we, we come into the, this place in order to come into the presence of God, to listen to God, to be nudged by God, to feel His grace, to feel His challenges. If you felt a challenge from God this morning, you need to respond. Never pays to push back on God, does it? Never pays. Maybe that you need to make Jesus Christ the King of your life. Had a couple of opportunities this morning. There's been an elder praying for you in that prayer room the whole service. I'm going to sit right down here for the next song and during the Lord's Supper and come down and talk to me or if you want right after the next service in the connections room we're going to have this little class and we'll talk to people about getting started in your life with God. Maybe that you need a church home. If not Capital City, you've got to have a church home, guys. It makes you stronger. So if not Capital City, find another God-honoring church and make it your home. Maybe you just need some prayer. You need someone to pray with you. Like I said, I'll be sitting right down here. We've got elders close. There's an elder praying for you back there. We'd love to talk to you. Let's bow our heads together. Father, you want us to taste joy. You want our lives to be rich. You want to see that smile on our face. You want to hear that laughter that comes from the gut. You want us to look at life with a lightness. You want us to look at people with love enjoy. Give us the strength, give us the courage, the wisdom to be people of God. We love you dearly. We thank you. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.